Hello, welcome to Spiritual Warfare. My name is Teresa. Tonight, I will be reading from the book Imagine Heaven by John Burke, forward by Don Piper. Near-death experiences, God's promises, and the exhilarating future that awaits you. What's my unique purpose? But what is my purpose? How am I supposed to know what God has me uniquely here to do? I think often we make it complicated because we want our purpose to give us identity, but God means it to work the other way around. Moses said it and Jesus reiterated it. To love God is the first and greatest command. That's our purpose. To love our neighbors, those he puts in our lives as much as we love ourselves. That's second. Do those two, Jesus taught, and you fulfill the intent of all the other commands of the Bible. Even those who don't know the Bible bring back this message from the other side. God has us uniquely here for a purpose, and love is central to that purpose, whatever else we accomplish. Howard Storm, an art professor who had a near-death experience, believes that God brought him and his wife together for a specific reason, to learn how to love. He says this is our main job to accomplish on earth, to love the people we're with. It might not be our only job, but it's clearly our first job. Steve, I'm going to spell this last name, S is in Sam, J-O-G-R-E-N, was the pastor of a large church doing lots of good serving Cincinnati in thousands of ways. Oh, that's not too far for me. No doubt that was part of God's purpose for Steve, but Steve's brush with death reminded him of God's priority for us. Steve humbly recalls, God got me good. I was hovering over the operating table as close to the ceiling as I could get without actually leaving the room. I knew intuitively that God was the one who was addressing me. It was like the voice of a hundred friends talking in harmonious unison. It was a voice that was familiar and comforting and drew near me. In all my years of seeking God, I have never before heard him speak audibly, nor have I since that time. We did not communicate just with words but also with memories and images. God let me know how much he valued me. It's almost impossible to describe the perfect sense of acceptance that surrounded me. Yet even in the midst of this very personal embrace, part of me knew that not everything in this life had matched what God intended for me. The doctors were in emergency mode And God was calmly quizzing me. Do you know the names of your children's friends, he asked. This was not a daydream. God wanted to know the answer, but I couldn't list a single one. I was caught dead to rights. The realization struck me like a bolt of lightning. I I hadn't taken the time to get to know my children's best friends and long-term buddies. These friends often visited our house. They were always welcome, but I was anything but hospitable. 
When they came, I was usually fixated on one project or another. Many times, I just wasn't there. My job was important, after all. How do we know our unique purpose? It always starts with loving and seeking God, then following his lead to love the people closest to us, and then using the gifts and passions he's put in us to serve humanity. You don't need to worry about not fulfilling your purpose. If you seek God in his will, you will live it. But we can't forget it's all about love. Come home. Reflecting on her experience of heaven, Crystal, who had been baptized but never felt love due to her abusers, admits that it's challenging to find the right words to describe all she experienced in heaven simply because human language doesn't even come close. Words like beautiful, brilliant, and amazing fall far short, she says. What I experienced in heaven was so real and so lucid and so utterly intense, it made my experiences on earth seem hazy and out of focus. As if heaven is the reality and life as we know it, it's just a dream. Crystal describes being immersed in a feeling of complete and utter purity, perfection, unbrokenness, and peace, a kind of assurance she's never experienced on earth. It was like being bathed in love, she remembers. It was a brightness I didn't just see, but I felt. And it felt familiar like something I remembered or even recognized. The best way to put it is, I was home. Jesus traveled the countryside of Israel, teaching, feeding, healing, and restoring dignity to people. He demonstrated the unconditional love of God, who values the most sin-stained human like a uniquely precious runaway child. As a result, the crystals of the world flock to Jesus. Luke tells us tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story, Luke 15, 1 through 3. Jesus tells the self-righteous religious people the story of a father, representing God the Father, who had a prodigal younger son and a good older son. The prodigal son demands an early inheritance, flips off his father, and moves to Vegas, where he blows everything, partying and using prostitutes. This is obviously my paraphrase, but it's an a- it's accurate to the story. Jesus tells us the son finally hit rock bottom, came to his senses and said, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me as a hired servant. The religious leaders would have expected the father to punish him and teach his son a lesson, but Jesus shocks them. While the prodigal son was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. He embraced him and he kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, 
and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. Finally home, reading through hundreds and hundreds of near-death experience stories, I'm awestruck of how everyone experiences this being of light describes a love that would run toward them, embrace them, value them, no matter what, and simply want them home. And home is what they describe. Jeff left the scene of a fiery crash accident to find he was in a different place. This was a place of joy. It was familiar. It was home. I felt real, but I was not injured. I was not a floating orb. I was myself. Sama, who grew up in the Middle East, found herself in the presence of love. He radiated an amazing love that contained deep acceptance. I felt neither condemnation nor shame. At first, I hardly dared to look at Jesus, but after a time, I felt my body being lifted up. Then I was standing before him. As he smiled at me, relief poured over my soul. Welcome home, he said in a voice sweet and gentle, yet also powerful like the sound of many waters. He opened his arms to me. His beautiful eyes were like blazing fires of consuming love that overwhelmed me. While Don Piper spent 90 minutes clinically dead, he said, I saw colors I would never have believed existed. I've never ever felt more alive than I did then. I was home. I was where I belonged. I wanted to be there more than I had ever wanted to be anywhere on earth. Jesus claimed the heart of God for all the people is that a loving father who would do anything to have his kids come home. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. One day he wants to welcome you home too. And home is the place where you are finally known and loved and surrounded by family and friends. If you've ever feared being alone in heaven, think again. Chapter 6 with friends and loved ones. I don't recall the exact details of the next few moments and maybe I don't want to know. There were strong crosswinds that day and a small red pickup truck driving erratically through the stretch of freeway. I may have dozed off at the wheel and swerved off the road, but for whatever reason, our vehicle traveling at 75 miles per hour abruptly went off the shoulder of the freeway. Time slowed as Jeff woke up in his father's worst nightmare. Four-year-old Spencer and 14-month-old Griffin asleep in the back, startled as his wife Tamara screamed and reached for the steering wheel. Jeff overcorrected and their SUV rolled over seven or eight times down the asphalt. 
Jeff felt himself slip out of his body. I was encircled with light, a bright white light that seemed to be energized with pure, unconditional love. I was calm. Peace infused this almost tangible light. I realized all the pain was gone. I was fine. Then I felt a familiar touch. I opened my eyes. Tamara was right next to me. She was real too. I could feel her. She was alive. I looked at her. I could feel everything. She was crying and upset. Why? Where were we? Was the crash a bad dream now? Or had I died? Had we both died? Where are the boys? I had read about experiences like I was having. Many people describe passing through a tunnel toward a bright light. That wasn't happening to me. I felt like I was in some kind of protective bubble and I felt alive, not dead. You can't stay here, Tamara said. You have to go back. You can't be here. Why was she crying? You can't come. You cannot stay here. What did she mean? I couldn't stay. I belonged there. You have to go. She was as real as ever. The thought of our boys raced through my head. Where were they? Were they here too? If I stayed, would Spencer be left orphan? Where was Griffin? You have to go, Tamara insisted. But I didn't want to go anywhere. It seemed odd to me that in that glorious bubble, she would be upset. Was it heaven? I didn't know. But it made my earthly existence seem like a foggy dream. What I ex what I was experiencing was far more real, far more tangible, and far more alive than anything I had ever known. I pulled Tamara to me tightly. She was tangible as well. I even felt her wet tears on my skin. I kissed her. That was real. I smelled her hair. Not in the earthly sense, but with senses that seemed to be tenfold what I had experienced before. You can't be here. You have to go. She sobbed. It almost felt as if my course was set. I didn't want to go, but I also knew she was right. I was not meant to stay. I felt I had a choice, but something deep within me knew I had to get back to Spencer. I looked into Tamara's eyes, those crystal sky blue eyes. Everything in the universe was calling me back to Spencer, but I wanted to stay with her. And where was Griffin? I felt a warm tear roll down my face and fall on my upper lip. I have to go. I know. I looked at her one more time, the love of my life and the wife of my dreams. I leaned forward, putting my forehead onto hers. I love you. I know. The next thing Jeff heard was the haunting reality of Spencer crying in the back seat of the crashed SUV. Tamara and Griffin were dead. As he came to, Jeff heard a question echoed into every cell of my being. The question was simply, to what degree have you learned to love? Love God, love people forever. One of the biggest struggles people have with heaven is the thought of being separated 
from the ones they love the most. Yet it's not heaven, but the effects of a fallen earth that separate us. God created us for a love that lasts forever. Love has always been God's central theme. And as you'll see in the coming chapters, love is the only thing that makes sense of why God allows so much hurt and pain in the meantime. Jesus was once asked, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. To love God first and then to let him help us love those around us as much as we love ourselves. That sums up the scriptures and the point of every command. Those who get a glimpse of heaven agree on one thing more than anything. Love is the point of it all. In the presence of God, they experience a love that words cannot explain. And the people of heaven seem to be filled with a light that is love. So if you love and relationship is the goal of your life on earth, why would we think God wants to tear that apart or take relationship from us in heaven? Nothing could be further from the truth. Everything God claims to have done through the prophets and through Jesus is for the sake of love. To restore people to a love relationship with God so he can teach us to love one another as he loves us. He intends those relationships to last in heaven and even more to find their fulfillment in heaven. The greatest love we feel for children, a spouse, friends, or a family on earth amounts to a teaspoon of love compared to the oceans we will experience together for eternity. The Old Testament prophets foretold it. Jesus demonstrated it, and those who have had a peek behind the veil consistently say the same thing. God is love. And heaven will be the greatest reunion ever. The greatest reunion ever. Don Piper was coming back from a pastor's conference when an 18-wheeler lost control on a rainy bridge and hit Don head-on, running over the top of his car. When EMS arrived several minutes later, Don was pronounced dead. For 90 minutes, his dead body lay trapped in a car while the EMS waited for the jaws of life to cut him out of the squashed wreckage. Simultaneous with my last recollection of seeing the bridge and the rain, a light enveloped me with the brilliance beyond earthly comprehension or description. Only that... In my next moment of awareness, I was standing in heaven. Joy pulsated through me as I looked around, and at the moment, I became aware of a large crowd of people. They stood in front of a brilliant, ornate gate. I have no idea how far away they were. Such things as distance it didn't matter. As the crowd rushed towards me, I didn't see Jesus, but I did see people 
I had known. As they surged towards me, I knew instantly that all of them had died during my lifetime. Their presence seemed absolutely natural. They rushed towards me and every person was smiling, shouting, and praising God. Although no one said so, I knew they were my celestial welcoming committee. It was as if they had all gathered just outside heaven's gate waiting for me. The first person I recognized was Joe Coolbeth, my grandfather. He looked exactly as I remembered him with his shock of white hair and what I had called a big banana nose. He stopped momentarily and stood in front of me. A grin covered his face. I may have called his name, but I'm not sure. Donnie? That's what my grandfather always called me. His eyes lit up and he held out his arms as he took the last step towards me. He embraced me, holding me tightly. He was once again the robust, strong grandfather I had remembered as a child. The crowd surrounded me. Some hugged me, few kissed my cheek, while others pumped my hand. Never have I felt more loved. One person in the greeting committee was Mike Wood, my childhood friend. Mike was special because he invited me to Sunday school and was influential in my becoming a Christian. Mike was the most devoted young Christian I knew. He was also a popular kid and had lettered four years in football, basketball, and track. When he was 19, Mike was killed in a car wreck. It broke my heart when I heard about this death. Now I saw Mike in heaven. As he slipped his arm around my shoulder, my pain and grief vanished. Never had I seen Mike smile so brightly. I still didn't know why, but the joyousness of the place wiped away any questions. Everything felt blissful, perfect. More and more people reached for me and called me by my name. I felt overwhelmed by the number of people who had come to welcome me to heaven. I saw Barry Wilson, who had just been my classmate in high school, but later drowned in a lake. Barry hugged me, and his smile radiated a happiness I didn't know was possible. He and everyone that followed praised God and told me how excited they were to see me and welcome me to heaven and to the fellowship they enjoyed. Just then I spotted two teachers who had loved me and often talked to me about Jesus Christ. As I walked among them, I became aware of the wide variety of ages, old and young, and every age in between. Many of them hadn't known each other on earth, but each had influenced my life in some way. Even though they hadn't met on earth, they seemed to know each other now. Well, I am going to stop there, and next time we will talk about your welcome home party. Thank you, and God bless everyone.